This week's podcast brought to you by Breakfast Dessert. The other day, driving the kids home from school, our sixth grader, trying to get a start on her homework while in the car, said to me, Mom, do you know what an auxiliary verb is? And my response to her was, I know what an auxiliary gym is. And she got a little frustrated, rolled her eyes and said, I'm going to call dad. Well, just call it a helper verb. That's how you and I learned it. Everyone our age knows it as a helper verb. Why do you have to call it an auxiliary verb? I've been in the auxiliary press box many times. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. So my colleague, Adam Amin, who is a single 30-year-old male, asked me an interesting question as we were driving back from Eugene, Oregon to Portland, Oregon. His question was, if you and I were single now and young and single now, do we think that we would get together if it was on a dating app? Because all, yes. the, the, all the young people use the da- dating apps now. So if you and I were... I guess first on a dating app, if we thought, he asked if we thought we would eventually get together and date via the dating app. When he said you and I, he meant he and you? <laughs> no. <laughs> because I'm a little disturbed and no, confused. No, he meant would you, Steve, and I, Rebecca, would we have gotten together if it was in modern times and we were using a dating app? And, and what did um, you say? I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that we would because I don't know that either. Of, I don't know <laughs> that's, that. That's code for it. Of course we would not. I don't know that either of us, either of our charms is appable. Like if it translate over an app. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I that one really, it was a good question. And I, I still don't know the, quite the answer to it. Well, what the do, answer, of course, think? is no, because I wouldn't be on a dating app. <laughs> First of all, that is true. That is true. Unless one of your siblings, like if your sister had, uh, you know, taken a picture and set up your profile and done all of that for you. And actually, but then, then no she would one, have also had, had to have created a fictitious identity for Right, her. right. You, if, if you were on a dating app, you would have to be wearing the shirt that says, I am silently correcting your grammar just to see what type of pool of women that would appeal to. Um, I've never... I've, it would appeal to some sort of grammarian masochist to <laughs> correct my grammar. That, that would be your profile, grammarian masochist. I had never even seen a dating app. And then our babysitter was over, so I was talking to her and, and telling her this story. And so she she's on a couple dating apps, so she's showing me how they work. And there was one of them, and all our kids were around, like taking a look. And there was one, and 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 a picture of a, was up of a guy, and I and I and I just like swiped to get to the next picture, and she goes. You just swiped right. You just swiped right, which meant apparently that the guy was then getting going to get a message that our babysitter was interested in him and had made the first swipe. So um, just don't even put me near a dating app because I will mess. I'll mess it up if uh, if I'm looking at someone else's dating app. But let's get back to me. Why? What about me would not have appealed to you on a dating app? No, that's that's not what it is. It's well, the other thing because I was asking our, our babysitter this too because I was looking at the one dating app that she had up and I said, well, where's the place for height? Because 
if I couldn't immediately eliminate everyone who was like 6'3 and shorter, and if somebody didn't know that I was 6'4, and then we, can you imagine if, if I was on a dating app and, and I met some guy and we met at a restaurant and he was like 5'2 and here I come in because the dating app didn't tell him no. that I was 6'4, how, how just awkward that could be for both of us. There's probably a dating app dedicated to guys who are 5'2 looking for a 6'4 woman. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if there are height-based dating apps. That's a good question. There are There's... things like farmersonly.com. Well, and as as I have come to learn, every day when I get on my AOL email, because I am a dinosaur who still uses AOL, you know, I look and I have emails in my spam folder. And today, I did not have one, but two emails from Silver Singles. It's, it says silver singles for serious seniors. And then, so I actually, I normally just delete it, but because I was interested in it for our podcast, I, I opened the page and uh, it said exclusively for singles aged 50 and over. So how I am getting the silver singles at emails and you are not, when I don't m- meet any of the criteria, I'm not single, I'm not silver, and I'm not yet a senior. Well, you asked me to look in my spam folder to see which dating apps are targeting me, and I, I can tell you right now what they are. Girl Next Door, Asia Charm, <laughs> wait, Exotic wait, wait. Brazilians. I'm sorry. Asia Charm and Exotic Brazilians. So at least it's uh, taking you around the world. Hot Match. And the rest and, and the most frequent of them are so, frankly, so forward in their titles. As my mom would say, that's rather forward. That's rather forward. A little of them. explicit in there. A little explicit. A little, um, frankly, just a little, uh, a little forward. And and then the one that I get mostly, uh, which I assume is a dating app, is uh, Lyft drivers wanted. <laughs> well, yeah. So you know, when when I met you that night at the Dublin House, it wasn't love at first sight. When I asked you if you're the guy who, for wrote, who wrote the column about making fun of the WNBA, we I don't think either of us uh, thought we were going to meet our spouse that night because I remember I was in khakis. I was in a long sleeve New York Knicks t-shirt. My hair was not just braided. I had cornrows in my hair. And, and anyone who's ever seen or had cornrows, they weren't the fresh ones. So they, they, were, they were kind of struggling. I had some straggling hairs. I was not looking my best, to say the least. One of the things I remember about meeting you that night was I didn't like your shoes. <laughs> and my pants were pulled too high. And your pants were pulled I had to, really I had, high. I had to unzip my fly to blow my nose. Yes, I think I think that's exactly what it was. So that that's why I say I don't necessarily know that we would have appealed to one another on a dating app. Well, but uh, I always had a fantasy about meeting my wife, my future spouse, amid cornrows. But... <laughs> That was, that was farmers on farmersonly.com. Dot com. Yes. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, yes, we are uh, we are at the place where um, where we can I can at least enjoy. Have you ever seen a dating app? Like you don't have any young single friends who have like shown you how their dating app works. I mean, clearly the babysitter was the first time I had seen I had seen one, and it was it was fascinating. One of the things that really cracked me up was. Um, I was, you know, looking, she was showing me how to look through pictures and there's a handful and I'm sure there's a lot more than a handful, but like there's this one guy and he was sitting at the chest press machine, not where you're, you're supine, but where he was like sitting up and he had somebody take a picture of him sitting at the chest press machine. Like really? And I don't know who would say that's the guy that I want to go on a date with. I mean, wouldn't that be a total swipe left? Okay, you can continue to sit at the chest press machine. And and who do you get to take that picture? It's not your trainer. Is it just another guy in the gym? Hey, buddy, I'm setting up my dating profile. Can you take this picture of me? Like, how exactly does that work? Was the guy wearing a bum equipment sweatshirt cut off? (laughs) 
No, he wasn't. But that brings me to we I am I'm flying home this past weekend. I've called a game in Lexington, Kentucky. It's a Sunday. So our our daughters have a basketball game, a, a team that I coach when I'm in, in town and I wasn't there. And um, you mentioned that there was somebody there that I knew and I asked you to describe him. Um, I didn't know the person's name. You know, and neither did I. And and your description, which you were clearly just writing to entertain yourself, was what? Let me find it. I'm going to I'm going to find it in my uh, in my texts. You first described this person as meathead Matt Lauer. I didn't know exactly I, well, what that meant. Matt Lauer is is himself a meathead, obviously. But this guy, because I've come to learn who he who he was, he doesn't look like Matt Lauer. No, no. So so you give me a meat meathead Matt Lauer, and so I said, "Do I know MML?" You said yes, and then I asked a certain description. You said no. Black hair, cropped close, used to lift, but now goes to Gold's Gym just for the atmosphere. <laughs> and my response to that was. It's a funny description, but I'm not closer to knowing who it is. So you just kept going. Drives a Camaro. Has a bum equipment sweatshirt with cut-off sleeves. So I said, you know, and he must have Zubaz and hair gel in his glove compartment. But these are the these are the texts. That I'm just trying to get an explanation from you of the fact who is, this person the is that you're is, talking about. And you're ne- just texting to entertain yourself. Neither of us knows this person, and I am just texting to entertain myself. Well, I appreciated it. And actually, that would, that would be a good bio on his on his dating app meathead matt lauer meathead matt lauer that should can can one of our listeners please set up a a profile on a dating app that and name it the, meathead matt lauer the guy at the chest press on the dating app right exactly that, that muscle heads only and speaking of traveling this was a week where you also had some uh some traveling a trip out to milwaukee i went to milwaukee i went to, to my alma mater marquette i had a great time they're admitting 12 year olds there now they, people, kids get younger. The university gets bigger. I get older. I'm walking into what the union. What do you union. mean they're admitting twelve year olds? Well, I mean just everybody looks oh, younger. Oh, everyone. When looks I was young, when yeah. I was there, eighteen years old, everybody was my age. Of now everybody is much younger. I've stayed the same age, obviously. But um, I was walking into the student union to speak, and we walked past a place that used to be Angelo's Pizza. When I visited Marquette as a as a high school senior, my mom and dad and I went to eat at Angelo's Pizza at the corner of Sixteenth and Wells in, in Milwaukee. So I said to one of the people I was with, I said, whatever became of Angelo's Pizza? And he said, oh, that is that is now, I forget what the name of the place is, a well-known, long-standing Marquette institution. And I said, it, it can't be a well-known, long-standing Marquette institution because just the other day I was eating there when it was Angelo's Pizza. And it turns out this place has been there for like a quarter of a century now. Turns and, out uh, that just the other day was actually thirty years ago. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who In fact, one of the one of the students walking with me said, "Well, you graduated thirty years ago." And I said, "Well, it certainly seems like oh my gosh, it has been thirty years. This is a thirty-year reunion this summer." So there you have it. But that morning, I was there just for one day. I went to breakfast with my friend Dan, seven forty-five a.m. in the third ward of Milwaukee. The waitress comes by to the table. This is on a Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. It's, Wednesday not, morning. it's not a Sunday brunch or Sunday no, 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 breakfast. No, 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 this no, is no. a Wednesday morning. But it's in keeping with a trend that we've we've been noticing. And, and the waitress said to me, said to us, gentlemen, can I get you anything to drink to start? A mimosa, a Bloody Mary, screwdriver. And I said, uh, actually, I'm good. I had to look at my watch. Have I flown overseas? Am I jet lagged? Is it really, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon? Did and, you take a like a gander around the restaurant to see how many? Well, people clearly, were it's it's at night. It's that? a bar. You know, there's mm-hmm. a bar there, but uh, no, people seem to be eating breakfast. And um, 
and drinking water or orange juice. We ate breakfast and now it's 8.15 or 8.30 and we're waiting for the check and she comes by and says, can I interest you gentlemen in dessert today? We have a carrot cake special and she lists the dessert specials. Again, I had to look at my watch and... Was there a place on the menu that listed breakfast desserts? I hadn't noticed, but uh, I do hope that at least a few people in there had like a, a scotch with their bacon and eggs and then, and then had like a, a, a tiramisu afterwards. <laughs> oh, gross. Is this a new trend? And then flying back from Milwaukee through Detroit, I'm changing planes at a 5 a.m. flight out of Milwaukee, so I'm changing planes at, I don't know, 7, 7 a.m. And I'm walking past, just pacing to get the blood flowing, and I pass the bar, and there's a couple sitting at the bar, middle-aged. The guy has a sweatshirt on that has some beer reference on the back. They've got a Bloody Mary, a screwdriver, and an empty beer glass on the bar, and I hear the bartender say, now this is seven-something on a Thursday morning. I hear the bartender say to the gentleman, can I get you another beer? Well, perhaps they were meeting up for the first time. This was a a date that they had that they had scheduled on one of the dating apps. Actually, Airport to- boozers only? <laughs> yes, exactly. That brings me back to our babysitter. She was telling me about how she had gone on a date with a guy that she met on Match.com or one of those places, and that it was going so badly, and it was obviously going so badly, that the waitress came by and winked at her and brought her a second drink because she saw how terrible the date was. And so she brought her brought her a drink. And actually, when you talk about being at the restaurant and being offered dessert at 815, it remembered one of our kids when they were little, we used to go over on Sunday mornings, we would go to my parents' house and my mom, while she was still alive, she and my dad would make us breakfast on Sunday. So we'd either go to church and then go to go to my mom and dad's for breakfast, or we would go to breakfast and then go to church. Anyway, my mother started doing a thing where after we'd already sat down for bacon and eggs and a big breakfast, she would bring out donuts or a coffee cake or something, and she coined that breakfast dessert. So our kids would start looking forward to breakfast dessert. And they dessert. Were really, they were really young at this age. And there was one time when we had breakfast at my mom's house. Or no, I think we went to church first, and then we were going to go back. And one of our kids was not behaving well in mass. And so we told her at the time, you bet start behaving or when we go back to Dama and Dampa's, you're not going to get breakfast dessert. And our child was really small at this age. And I just distinctly remember she was misbehaving. And anybody who's been to church knows, like, especially up north, you can't hide behind loud, excited uh, churchgoers singing their music. We're at a Catholic mass where everyone's pretty dead quiet. And I just remember her misbehaving so badly, I had to leave Mass, and I'm walking down the aisle, carrying her as she's screaming at the top of her lungs, I want breakfast dessert! (laughs) So anyway, I wish you had left the restaurant in Milwaukee yelling to Dan, I want breakfast dessert! Can you imagine the people in Mass, what they were thinking about what child this was that I was raising, acting like that and demanding breakfast but it was also your mother was the equivalent of offering up a scotch before breakfast because she was also the one who gave our our eldest daughter when she was an infant high octane full strength coca-cola classic that's right as a um, just as a aperitif she was i think one years old my my sister and my mother take our one-year-old where i think they went to friendlies to have lunch and my mom let her have a soda we had 
We hadn't let her have a soda yet. I think we we would um, water down her apple juice. It was like a let one her. part. <laughs> she was one. She wasn't asking for right, one. Right. Well, well, even better when, when she was a little bit older, maybe three years old, and my mom would drink coffee, and our daughter asked for a sip of it. And my mom let her have it, thinking that she would turn be turned off forever because what kid likes coffee and our daughter still has this vivid memory and of course our daughter liked it so this is the same daughter that had the coca-cola so she grows up completely addicted to caffeine you know drinking coke during the day and uh, coffee morning and night it'll uh it'll be my mother's fault these kids have half school days this week because uh so we're doing this in the morning which of course means we you and i have half work days this week right and that's because to accommodate parent-teacher conferences this week, this afternoon. So we're wrapping this up this morning so that we can get to four consecutive parent-teacher conferences this afternoon. It's a scheduling uh, Which, by the way, it is, it is a scheduling feat that I take great pride in when I can get four different conferences lined up for four different kids so that they're consecutive. We don't have – we don't even have a minute break in between. We have we, this-, we, this is an efficient – four parent-teacher conferences. I, I took great pride on my the, on the sign-up genius figuring out these times. The same people who schedule Major League Baseball's full season, full 162-game season in advance, schedule our parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what it feels like sometimes. Assuming that there's no terrible problems with the kids, and that's a not a very safe assumption. If history is any guide, I will go in there, and after getting the spiel about how each of our children is doing, I will have to look around and realize that we've taken somebody else's appointment and they're talking about somebody else's child. Yeah, it's it's amazing because fortunately, even if your kids can tend to misbehave at home and everybody's do, you feel always a sense of relief if you go into that conference and you leave and the teachers have said something nice about your child or you know, they they talk about the best version of your child that you only see in snippets when they're home because the rest of the time, especially in our family where there's so many of them, they're they're fighting the rest of the time. So we'll, even, we'll see what they have to say today. Even if your kids misbehave, you said, and everybody's do. <laughs> Don't they? And everybody's do. Oh, everybody's. <laughs> I think that, that may be grammatically correct, but it just, I want that on a t-shirt now. Hashtag everybody's do. Well, it wouldn't be everybody's does, would it? It's like a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse um, conundrum. So, well, you're the wordsmith, as your father pointed out. If to your you last kids night. misbehave, and everybody's do. That is correct. That's correct grammar. It might not sound. <laughs> it might not sound particularly bright, but am I wrong? If that, your that kids correct. If your kids misbehave, and everybody's do <laughs> what? That's correct. I guess it People is. People can weigh in. People can weigh in. Let us know if, if, if that is correct. But what was your dad? Well, uh, he, my dad still likes to hate listen to the podcast. And um, he said, Steve, the wordsmith that you are, I can't believe, as correcting people's grammar, that you still, you're still saying it's viewer mail. I can't believe you're calling your listeners viewers. And I explained to him that we've said many times on the show that it's a tribute, a tip of the cap to a circa 1985 David Letterman who would do viewer mail. Now, he, he had viewers on a TV show, but I just like calling the emails viewer mail. I wonder if we need to, every time we do the viewer mail segment, we if we need to, to mention that. Well, we, not we just don't. for your dad, but for everybody's but, but that, 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 That's fine. <laughs> let, let everybody, let, let people speculate about it, correct us silently. And then in future shows, when we keep referring to everybody's due, <laughs> they can wonder what the hell we're talking about. Well, 
I think I want to get into a segment that we like to call Uber driver confessions because when I flew out to Lexington, I took an Uber from the airport to the hotel, which is about, I don't know, 15 minutes. And it really is uncanny what people are willing to divulge to me in when when they're driving me in the Uber. And this was the latest. Willing? You're not asking them. They're just, they're, they're offering it unsolicited, aren't they? For the most part, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, hi, how was your day? <laughs> and then... All of a sudden, I'm... Which is a strange question to be asking at 4 a.m., right. but and yet they've probably been up for 24 hours right. at that point. Well, obviously, because I'm so tall, that can be a starter for anybody to, to have a conversation. So, And what is that opening gambit usually? You know, I got in the car and, and the guy, you know, said, wow, you're, you're exceptionally tall. How tall are you? So I told him. Now, know, have, you ever thought of a, have you ever thought of a Churchillian comeback like, wow, you're, you're exceptionally bald or something like that? <laughs> or just no, to me? No, just to you. And, and so the driver then said, my daughter is tall. She's 14, and then he waited a beat and said, and she's Chinese. <laughs> I certainly didn't say anything that would get him to say that. And, and so I can't just leave that hanging there. She's 14, and she's Chinese. So I said, well, is her mom Chinese, or is she adopted? And, uh, and he said, she's adopted. And then he, again, paused and said, I have a 15-year-old son. He's Chinese, too. <laughs> So I thought the the natural follow-up was to ask him, were they related? And his response to me, completely sincere, without understanding the actual essence of my question, he said, they are now. (laughs) (laughs) As if I wouldn't understand that part of it. And, And then he just went into his life story. He's divorced. His son lives with him while his daughter lives with the mom. And he only sees the daughter. He sees the daughter every two weeks. She lives about an hour away. The son never goes and spends the weekend with his mom because, as the driver told me, you know, he's 14. He just wants to be in the basement playing on his Xbox all day. But then he elaborated even more about his daughter. And he said, she's 15 and wants a jacked up pickup. She's as redneck as you can get. So all I picture is this, you know, 14-year-old Chinese girl living in Kentucky who is as redneck as she as you can get, according to her father. And then at one point he said to me, uh, you know, I'm sorry for spilling my guts to you. It's funny because all of these Uber drivers that I've had spill their guts to me and then at some point apologize for spilling their guts to me. But it was it's just really interesting how... Um, the different lives that people lead and how they are so eager to talk about it. But I liked this guy. He was very nice. And he does not know anything about how many kids I have like that. That never came up or whatever. But uh, but he, he, was an, he was an interesting dude. We're going to have to get Tom, Dick, and Harry to do a short 10-second intro theme to Uber Uber driver confessions. Oh, um, yes. I like that but idea. I, I had, I had a, an Uber to the airport in Milwaukee at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, last Thursday, and it showed that as being. I don't know anything about pickup trucks. I don't know the models. I don't know. I only know the commercials I see during NFL games. But uh, I was told that I was being picked up in a in a Ford F one fifty pickup truck. I didn't know that it was an extended cab, so that there'd be a back door. I just assumed that it, I was either getting in riding shotgun with this guy, or if it's like every other driver I've had, there'll be a lot of stuff piled in the shotgun seat, and I would be getting in the, the bed of the pickup truck <laughs> for a 4.30 in the morning, 30-degree drive to the airport. Fortunately, the F-150 turns out to have had a extended cab, and I was able to get in the back seat. Did you? Did he offer up any unsolicited information about him, or is it just something about me that gets 
it's something about you, but no, I was wearing a Marquette hat, and so he was talking about the game the previous night, the Marquette St. John's game, and handicapping Marquette's uh, chances of making the NCAA tournament. He didn't, he did, he didn't like Marquette's chances, and um, and that was that was about the extent of our, our discussion. But but when I got to the airport, and I went to rate him five stars, I tapped one, two, three, four stars, and the screen disappeared. So I thought I had only given him four stars, and this guy was very close to a five-star rating. His average was like four, eight, nine or something. So now well, I thought so I brought this guy's rating down, down, even though I was yeah. perfectly happy. So I went back in the app to try to figure out how to get the fifth star. And as I was doing that, a screen came up, said, you want to add an additional tip? I ignored that. And yet I found out that I, I greased this guy like $5 three times, three separate times to go to the airport. So Well, why did you ignore it? If if he was indeed a true four or five star, why wouldn't you just have tipped him? I did, I did. But but when I was trying to figure oh, out how to accidentally, I, half an hour later, I accidentally tipped him two more times. Gotcha. Well, not on an effort to make up for the 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 this. So this guy must have been looking at wait this guy this guy bumped me down a star but tipped me three times. Do you know what your rating is? Because I've seen no, on mine it can't be good. Well, mine's like a. Four eight nine, and I'm, I have to say it bothers me. Well, you After had that guy. In, you listened, had that guy in Louisiana who didn't like UConn. It was clearly that guy. He was in Texas, but no, he he. But it, that didn't mean he didn't like me. No, I I I don't know when it was when I saw my Uber rating, but I was like, what what would make me not have a five star? I tip. I listen to these people's life stories. And then and you tell their stories. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe my, my, my rating is going to plummet the she, more I talk about this stuff on our podcast. She's but. an indiscreet passenger. <laughs> the indiscreet passenger. And I, That would be a uh, movie. That would be a good one. And a I, good and paperback I, and a twirly rack at the airport. Unlike, you know, at the beginning of a novel, you know, all of these characters are based on real life people. But um, you mentioned that you were got an Uber at four thirty in the morning. You got home that next. You got home that day at like ten thirty. You'd been gone two nights. And, two nights, but thirty six hours. Right. But the the first thing that you said to me was, uh, "I don't think I slept more than a combined three hours in the last two nights." I was like, "Okay." I got to my hotel at ten. <laughs> I got to my hotel at ten thirty on Tuesday night, with a long day ahead of me on Wednesday. I went straight to bed. Didn't turn on the TV. Didn't read. Didn't look at my phone. Also, didn't sleep. I could not fall asleep. I have I, I have trouble falling asleep sometimes in hotels now. And so I didn't fall asleep. So I hit the ground running at 7.30 a.m. for breakfast. Did not have the scotch or the breakfast dessert. Had a long day at Marquette. Great day. Ending with the, the Marquette St. John's basketball game. Got back to my hotel room maybe 11. Same thing. Didn't sleep. About four. About set the alarm for four. At about three, I felt myself dozing, and 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 I did the alarm did wake me, so I slept for at least an hour in those two nights. Well, the the person who doesn't really sympathize is the one who is home with all the kids, and I understand that when I travel. So, I've, whether it's a red eye or whatever my circumstances are, I know better than to come home and tell you how little I slept because you were at home dealing with kids coming into the room in the middle of the night because they had a nightmare or whatever else so for you when you came home the first thing you tell me is how little you slept um, what difference does it make so i went straight to bed and took a three-hour nap it didn't it the kids were in school a, three-hour nap. a five-hour nap i went i took care of the kids afternoon activities because i wanted to make sure that you were able to catch up on your sleep but like it's i think i think it's a male thing too because i think it's something my dad used to do like guys want to tell you how little they slept and when the last time was that they ate like right. you like to tell me the last time i haven't eaten all day okay 
God, what do you want me to do about that? We got a fridge full of food. You've got a license, a car, and a wallet. Go fix that situation. You do the, you do that a lot, and you and every time you do, you know I get annoyed by it, and you still do it. So do you do it just because? You have to tell me that you haven't eaten much that day, or do you do it because you want to see my annoyance after you say it? I do it because <laughs> I'm your spouse, and like like all husbands, I think I think wives will agree that everybody's do. <laughs> I will have to find out from other wives if everybody's do. If if everyone's husband tells them how how tired they are, how little they slept, because that's not necessarily how tired you are. But more importantly, oh, I haven't eaten all day. Okay, (laughs) the fridge is that way. It's due east, young man. (laughs) Go open it and get yourself a snack. (laughs) I think this is is a fodder for a dating app, Hungry Deadbeat. (laughs) HungryDeadbeat.com. Actually, this is completely unrelated, but because we mentioned the refrigerator, I... I'll buy vegetables at the grocery store and then I buy uh, veggie dip because our kids, like our son loves red and yellow and orange peppers, but he likes to put them in the dip. Or our kids like, they'll eat vegetables as long as there's a little more flavor on them. And almost all the time I go to grab the dip out of the fridge after I've cut up all the vegetables, it's gone. Or there's a little tiny bit left with like a a flake of a potato chip in it because you'll use the, the dip to eat chips. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'll buy two things of dip. I know exactly. And I hide one. I hide. No, it's a real one. That's for you that I know you're going to use for the chips. And I hide the other one in the back of the deli drawer for when I cut up the vegetables. I could not believe the betrayal a couple of weeks ago when I was hungry. (laughs) And with nowhere else to look, I looked in the, the vegetable crisper as a last resort and there was a full thing of dip in there. Well, and I said, I, I can't believe this. She's trying to hide. You can't hide it anywhere else because you have to refrigerate it. So it has right. to be somewhere in the fridge. And well, now I know. But it's not like I didn't. It's not like I only bought one and hit it. I bought two. I bought one for you to eat and leave the chip crumbs in. And then I bought another one so that when I cut up the vegetables, I can serve it to the kids. That's fair. I think the listeners are getting an insight into why we may not have been a match on a dating app. <laughs> I think we would have been a perfect match. Well, where are we? Is it, is it time yet for our beloved viewer mail? Well, we do have a lot of viewer mail this week, both from Twitter and from email. But let's ease ourselves into the warm bath of viewer mail with uh, what really is a show topic here. It's from uh, Josh in, in Wyoming. I think this might be one of the dads I met who brought his who was on the dad-daughter trip at the UConn game that we talked about a couple right, podcasts right, right. ago. Hey guys, love the podcast. I'd love to hear the debate between the two of you on the following marital matters. Marital matters. That would be a good... That would be a good name for the yes, for something. Right. For, for, for the show. One. Okay, I'm just going to give you these... Give me your thoughts off okay. the top of your head. One. Toilet paper roll. Over the top or out the bottom? Over the top, of course. I mean, it, it goes without saying. Are there monsters out there who, who do it the other way? I mean, my mother used to tell me, if you ever replace the toilet paper, it always goes over the top. Which reminds me, this morning... You do this. No, 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 no. Yes. I, know, I, well, I didn't do that. I, I know what you're going to say. Right, and then I didn't one do of that. our kids did it. The spindle, the empty spindle. The, the empty spindle and the, the brand the new toilet paper roll sitting right above it. That is the height of laziness. You've done it a lot. I've never done in it. In our marriage. Okay. Two, hand sanitizer in every room or wash your hands a couple times a day. What about three, none of the above? I'm a, I'm, I'm a believer in... Um, Not washing your hands at all. No, washing your hands 
occasionally we don't have any hand sanitizer really like when you use the bathroom of course you wash your hands if you're gonna make dinner of course you wash your hands i'm not crazy if our kids come in the house i'm crazy about germs if our kids come in the house i don't immediately say go wash your hands like there's gonna be germs you can't you gotta live with some of them right well, I think the the hand sin- hand sanitizer lobbying industry has has made amazing strides because hand sanitizer is not only everywhere in airports and in public spaces, you know, on on microphone stands and and it, it's everywhere. But it's also it's also those mini hand sanitizers that kids clip to their backpacks. Right, now. they're everywhere. And and I understand like best practices as a hospital, a doctor every time they enter and leave a room or a nurse are supposed to put hand sanitizer in their hand. Of course, that makes sense. I understand that. I don't know the last time I used hand sanitizer. I'll, I'll wash my hands when they need to be washed, but we've gotten a little crazy in this country about hand sanitizer. Three, morning person or night owl? Oh, you! I know you and I are opposites in that regard. I am 100% a morning person, and you are 100% a night owl, except when you're on the road and you just don't sleep at all. Well, that's the ultimate night owl, but I, I, can, I can combine three and one here. Last night, late night, Eleven thirty midnight. I was I was plunging a plunging a toilet. So I do it all. The best part about it was, one of our children had left a note telling us that the toilet was clogged. The problem was, they left the piece of paper that the note was written on on the top of the toilet water. <laughs> In the toilet. In the toilet. So they didn't realize that it, it became unreadable. <laughs> We won't bring that up in the parent-teacher conference. Number four, your kid is being picked on at school. Tell them to work it out or bloody their nose. I assume referring to the other kid's nose. Right. Well, I know how I feel about this. What, what do you think about this? I tell them to work it out. Would you? See, of course I want our kids to work it out. But if they were ever being bullied, especially if they were being bullied consistently, I wouldn't really have trouble with them well it depends what you're talking out in other ways right of course it's telling it, it depends on your definition of working it out i'm not saying work it out by can't why can't we just get along that's not going to work with the grade school bully obviously i remember when our oldest was young maybe first or second grade and she said that you know there was a kid picking on her about the kind of milk she was drinking and um you know deep down if she had told me her response was to then pour the milk over the kid's head, I would have been really pleased and proud of her for that. Like, (laughs) does that mean there's something wrong with me? And, you know, we would have punished her accordingly, but I I would have liked that. Number five, does kids attending school, kids attendance at school get in the way of the real education sometimes, that is family trips, sports, etc.? Well, see, I come from a different place on this. Both of my parents were teachers, and so they were adamant. We never missed school to go on a vacation we granted they had all summer off so we could you know vacation or make trips or or day trips or whatever in the summertime but they they absolutely were never going to miss a day of work for pleasure that's not what you did and so i'm i'm kind of in that boat we have really that shocks me that you're in that boat we've occasionally our kids have missed a a day or, or here or there for school we went to disney one year and they missed a a Thursday and a Friday of school. But overall, I think there's enough time around school to plan the things that you want to plan. How do you feel about this? I've never missed a day of pleasure to to <laughs> go to work. That's why I became a sports writer. Number six on this list, and, and lastly, if your marriage had to have the name of a sports team, what would it be? I don't know. What would, what, what, what would yours be? Uh, mine would probably be the New Jersey Devils. Not just the Devils, but the New Jersey Devils. 
because we don't live in New Jersey. Well, well, uh, there's a story behind that, but our, our one of our kids celebrated twice, I think, her birthday in New Jersey while driving through New Jersey. Not just to... New Jersey. It was Newark. Our, our, well, our... but driving in a car the whole yeah, time. Yeah, our daughter still point. brings that up. I was doing a game. This is when the New York Liberty weren't in Madison Square Garden when the garden was being refurbished and I, they were playing out in Newark. And on her birthday, the game was the next day. So on her birthday, she we, made, we all went and she made the three plus hour drive with us in the car and she still talks about that we'll say how do you want to spend your birthday and her only answer will be i don't want to spend it driving to newark new jersey <laughs> do you have any uh, viewer mail from twitter or i can go through I viewer mail some, from the, uh... i have some viewer mail from twitter kurt young said he his wife was on day three of a mom's out of town his wife was gone for the third day in a row and he had he said he had to ask the middle child how to use the Leave no sharp edges can opener while making chili dogs. We have one of those can openers. The leave no sharp edges. They don't work, do they? They do work, okay. but that's that's the reason you just said that. You like you'll have take you'll take that out and look at it, and it it claps clamps to the top of the can in a weird way, and it it's almost useless now because it doesn't leave a can opener as we've talked about on this podcast so you don't get any enjoyment right. of the the thing half open. But he had to ask his daughter how how it worked. John says he thinks we should do a remote podcast from the Dublin house. Oh, that would be The nice. place where we met. I like that idea. And the night we were there, there was a bunch of college students from where? Columbia? Yes. That had ridden what was labeled on the side as the La Bamba bus to the Dublin house. And they just poured out of there, went into the bar where lots of beer was poured, and then they poured back into their bus to You can uh, imagine what leave, the grizzled so. regulars at the Dublin house would think when you walked in there with a microphone and, uh, and a and started jibber-jabbering. Well, if there's anything like my Uber experiences, I bet the bartender would just start pouring out his life story to me while he poured me something else. Jeff, on email, the email, by the way, is ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Jeff, via email, says, Steve and Rebecca, and parenthetically, and I suppose Denny, which is <laughs> a harsh. Whenever you talk about Steve's adventures as a scoreboard operator, I think of this. I was the JVT manager in high school. Our coach was Mr. Crockett, a vertically challenged math teacher with an incredibly shrill voice. In the middle of one game, Mr. Crockett, as was often the case, was unhappy with the referee's call. So he turned to me and with that voice of his screamed, hit the buzzer, hit the buzzer. The ball was in play. The official timer, a science teacher with no sense of humor, took his job seriously. There was no way he was hitting any buzzer. But Mr. Crockett kept screaming, so naturally, I hit the buzzer. The refs and the humorless science teacher were not pleased. I was rightfully admonished to never do that again, and on we went. Later, Mr. Crockett would tell me that if he ever tells me to hit the buzzer again, it might be better to ignore him. Tell me again, who was Mr. Crockett? Mr. Crockett was the basketball coach. And the basketball coach was the one telling him to hit the buzzer. Yes. <laughs> to register his displeasure with the referee's call. All right, well, well so take that as, as a note. If, if I'm ever yelling to you, because as you've come to learn, do coach or one of the coaches of our daughter's team if you're doing the scoreboard and i yell at you hit the buzzer hit the buzzer don't hit the buzzer or perhaps you should because if i'm saying that we probably need for the buzzer to be hit mr crockett he adds was the kind of coach who would put the uh, bench players in with seconds remaining in the game which i know was a big pet peeve of yours and finally with 17 players hated it finally with 17 seconds left in one game he wanted to put frank in the game and frank said no frank would have been suspended but he quit instead some of the other bench players quit in solidarity well yeah that's the thing is is it's already hard enough to be a bench player to not be playing many minutes but when the coach and the reason coaches generally put 
you know, the total scrubs in at the just for a few seconds at the end is because they want to get the starters out. But when you're deep, when you're not even in the top 10 and the other subs have already gone in, you don't want to go in for 15 seconds. And uh, when I was with the New York Liberty, our coach, Richie Adubato, one of the things I really liked that he did was if it was under a minute or even under two minutes, he would come down and ask the player, do you want to go in? And sometimes players would say yes, sometimes they would say no, but at least he understood that it could be embarrassing in some situations, and so he would ask that question, which was appreciated. Rob writes, Mr. Lobo and Rebecca. I like comma, it. Can Rebecca share a funny or interesting behind-the-husky-curtain Gino Oriema story since we're talking about coaches and the coaching styles of I've told this story before, had. but never on the, on the podcast. In 1995, we won the national championship. And the game was, I think, played at noon. That was back when you'd play the semifinals on Saturday and the championship game on Sunday. And I think it was Sunday at noon, but it was early in the day. After we won the championship, did all the media, did everything else, we went back to the hotel. The coaches did their thing. The players were hanging out in their rooms during their thing. And then late at night, a few of us players, I don't know, maybe five or six of us, ended up in Coach Oriama and Kathy Oriama's suite. And uh, just hanging out, Jen Rosati had this streamer like tied to her head. We were all just kind of still in a euphoric state. And I don't know how it, how. You had just defeated euphoric state. Yes, exactly. I don't know how it came to be, but this is back when everything was on VHS. Coach put in a tape of the game. But instead of just sitting there and enjoying watching our championship game of, of the game that had happened just moments before or, you know, earlier in the day. He would pause and rewind, and he turned into almost like a film session. So at one point, we looked over, and Missy Rose, who was one of our players who probably, I'm certainly didn't play in that game, was a player who came off the bench uh, in some games. He just started saying stuff and, uh, you know, correcting us, and she just looked at him and flipped him the bird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and said, like, shut up and just let us watch watch our championship right. game. So that is one of my favorite, it could be my absolute favorite memory of that day and winning the championship was being back in Coach's room, all of us just being so excited and happy about what had happened and Missy Rose flipping Coach Orion with a bird. <laughs> and so him, too. Yes. Uh, Ralph writes, Dear Ms. Lobo, while the idea of concession stand nachos and hot chocolate is not appealing to me, I am wondering why you knew that Mountain Dew and Ring Dings for breakfast would be. You mentioned it in the blog many years ago. I tried the combination and found it tasty. Is this a you question wrote, for you or for me? For you. You wrote. You had a blog many years ago. The in World the age According of, to Me. The World it was According on to Me, WMBA.com. Yes. You may have I been mentioned... joking about Mountain Dew and Ring Dings as a, as a, a breakfast treat. I was clearly joking about Ralph Mountain Dew and Ralph tried it and, and he found it tasty. Well, why wouldn't it be tasty? You talk about a, a Kickstarter in the morning. Of course um, it would be tasty. Coach Landers, who I work in studio with now, is a huge consumer of diet Mountain Dew. And as somebody brought up in studio yesterday as he was drinking it, there's nothing on earth that God made that comes from nature that is that color. So. <laughs> Neither mountain nor dew. Yes. Our official show doctor, Gary Siegel. Dr. And Siegel? Dr. Siegel. Dr. Siegel writes again, Dr. Siegel is a North Carolina graduate of 1978, so he, he does not want to see a shot clock. Coach Smith has just rolled over. However, he, he adds, I saw Marquette, Steve's alma mater, beat us in 1977 at the old Omni in Atlanta. Of course, Marquette won the national championship with Al McGuire. My wife was a roommate with Phil Ford's girlfriend. We are not exactly sure how many he had. How many highlight. girlfriends? Yes. <laughs> we also drove a few players around Atlanta, including Walter Davis, to a discotheque, which is now a Kroger grocery store, nicknamed Disco Kroger. I love that. 
I wonder if uh, we need to find ourselves a disco stop and shop. I want to go. I want to visit Disco Kroger the next time I'm in Atlanta. Matthew writes, Rebecca and Steve, I loved Rebecca's comment about the jerk that lives inside all of us. He goes on to tell a story of uh, the worst fan he's encountered was a fan shouting at, at referee Brian Enterline at a Rutgers women's basketball game many years ago. And every time he sees Brian Enterline now, he thinks of those fans just for in the interest of equal time. Wait, however, hold on, hold on. I, I want to add because yeah. he was a, a fan at Rutgers. Rutgers, I I would when when they were really good and in the Big East and they'd have a lot of great battles with UConn. I would often be there as a sideline reporter, and it's the only place I've ever been as a sideline reporter where I was heckled by the band. Heckled by the band. <laughs> yes, in particular, there was a a saxophone player in the band who would heckle me. So I was heckled by the band. Did you return fire? I think I just went up and uh, and shook his hand and said, I used to play saxophone too and tried to defuse Disarm the situation because yeah. I, I mean, what's worse than being heckled by the saxophone player in the band while you're a sideline reporter? Uh, this guy's worst experience was at a UConn Villanova women's game about 10 years ago, and it involved a UConn fan. Every time UConn was taking the ball to the court, he would offer the same advice, set a pick. This became very tiresome, as it does. We get this at the games we go to too. It's fans yelling inanities over and over, such as or, such as rebound or or this is my favorite. We um this happened a couple years ago when I was coaching a kids a youth team, and I think it was the playoffs. And I told the kids, "You are absolutely not going to guard these two players. They cannot shoot. So when they have the ball, I want you to stay in the lane." If they make a shot, great. But we are going to protect the lane. We are not guarding these two players. And then during the game, when one of those kids got the ball, the way our parents were shouting, guard her, guard her, get on her. And I'm over on the sideline thinking, no, that's not what I've told them to do. So for the most part, parents at the game, unless you know the exact game plan, just cheer on your kid. And I know it's hard because I want to coach like when I'm watching our kids too, but you, you don't know what, what they're supposed to be doing always. And they're hearing 19 things, and when you're screaming, so-and-so's open, it, it's not helpful. Yes. Okay, our friend Carol writes uh, about a recording session she had playing with a band. We were fortunate to have Eddie Albert. Eddie Albert, some may remember from Petticoat Junction. The great actor Eddie Albert narrates Lincoln Portrait. He did a wonderful job. The funniest part happened while we were recording. The sound engineer was going nuts trying to figure out why he kept getting more and more feedback. It ended up being the volume of Eddie's miracle ear looping back through his mic and monitors. Oh, that's funny. People still wear, like, is miracle ear, ear I, still I, a brand? I don't know. Every time you mention Denny, she writes, I think of the Navajo Diné. Thanks for the last piece out. Um, and the last one that I have is from uh, Elaine. Was that her saying peace out to us? Or you saying, saying, saying peace, peace out to her? No, 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 no. I've, I've returned her peace out, but it was her saying peace out to us. And Elaine in Connecticut writes, finally here, Hello, Stephen and Rebecca. We enjoy Tom, Dick, and Harry's theme song. However, we can't understand some of the lyrics, especially the opening line. Could you tell us what the lyrics are so we can sing along? We've gotten this from a few people now. Well, you can tell them what they are, but I'm also going to, I'll post it to our Twitter account. Okay. I'll screenshot it and post it, which is ball at ball and chain pod. But I have to read them out just because so I can do a, a William Shatner-like spoken word poetry. I, I wish I'm I could set this a to, to a little bit of... Bill Shatner fan. Can you do Bill it more? Shatner. Actually, I'm a bigger James Spader fan. What was the show you and I used to watch a lot? Was it Boston Legal that they were both yes, on? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, um, Denny Crane. So you're going to do it in your William well, Shatner I, I, instead I of your James Spader? I don't have a William Shatner voice, but okay. he, he did a lot of great spoken word music. He sang Pulp's Common People as a spoken word thing. But anyway, Tom Dick and Harry's Ball and Chain theme, the opening line is, the saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. 
The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back, day by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. And you will post the rest on, on Twitter? Or should I, go, should I read the second, going, oh, the second verse? Okay, there's only one other verse. Six of us in the family pet living in this cuckoo nest. The daily grind puts our sanity to a daily test. Androgynous, ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. It's day by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. And for Denny Gallagher, you and me, and for Tom, Dick, and Harry, let's hear the musical version as it plays us out. has no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane, who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.